0: Hi, this is Skoshy from Avon Motorcycle Tires. You're listening to The Sound Rider Show.
1: And now live from the Crow's Nest studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of The Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your host, Tom Marin. Eric Roberts and whoever else happened to drop by.
2: Holy smokes. And I mean, holy smokes. Um, it's hot. It's Summer ju- is here. It's July. It's July. Oh, yeah, it's July. Uh, so this last weekend, uh, Golden Dale clocked in at 107 degrees. Leavenworth clocked in at 109 degrees, a hot weekend.
3: And we're talking about uh, bona fide sweltering there, and we're supposed to see temperatures uh, just south of 100 here in Seattle coming up, too.
2: Like, steadily.
3: Yeah, it's going to be a hot summer, I think.
2: Yeah. You know what I think is going to happen, though?
3: Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts.
2: I think I think it's it's not it's an early summer. This is what it is. It's an early summer, so it's really hot right now, right? Sure. But now, what's going to happen is uh, as we get up toward August, it's actually going to cool down, and and we're even going to get some rain, and so you know everything's going to be wetted down. Sure. And uh, by the time we get to like August twenty fifth. Uh, it's going to be in the high 70s it's going to be like an early fall and then we're
3: going to have the rally so, <laughs> the rally in the gorge and this is uh coming from straight from tom's farmer's almanac i think right
2: yeah yeah the one i made up in my head that's
3: right <laughs> that and many other things it's i'm sure be awesome Well, it'd be perfect timing we'd love to see uh, some mid 70s to early 80 degree weather uh when the rally foot rolls around in late august
2: so, uh, you've been busy working on an adventure issue.
3: That is correct.
2: And uh, you had a little extra, Derek had a little extra adventure this week. He uh, got, got a tip from Tim Bernard over at Happy Trails about a road to gold ride. That's true and uh, went over the handlebars, and uh, Derek came in tonight with a broken arm.
3: That's right. Well, and let me uh, just right off the bat here, I want to exonerate Tim Bernard over at Happy Trails. I had a great couple of days out there at the factory uh, and with the whole team, and uh, certainly uh, this is not on Tim's shoulders here. This road I was on is about 50, maybe, I don't know, 60 miles southeast of Boise, Uh, out in high desert country there. I'm sure you've probably spent a little bit of time and I got to tell you, this was a uh, grade A, bona fide, beautiful dirt road, and uh, no gremlins or anything. Just lost it to about fifty miles an hour, and over the handlebars I went, and here I sit in a sling.
2: I think your subconscious mind planned this out so that you wouldn't have to ride in the heat over the weekend. <laughs>
3: Well, perhaps uh, that may have been in my subconscious mind, although I would have uh, – fortunately, I was able to ride the bike out. Otherwise, I would have really been in for it in 100-degree uh, temperatures that they were forecasting there in southeast Boise. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, uh, you know, riders, um, can't be too fun to have to throttle a bike out of a dirt road. With a broken right arm, yes,
3: yeah, yeah, that's not an ideal condition there, certainly, and that is kind of uh, the motion that at the moment I have lost is sort of that throttle twisting. But uh, you know, with the help of a couple of cowboys, I got it out of the ditch, and uh, I rode, rode it about seventy miles. It took me about maybe ninety minutes to two hours to get back into downtown Boise and into uh, St. Luke's Medical Center there. So. so,
2: so you drove yourself straight to the hospital.
3: I did, yeah, so I drove myself straight to the hospital, you know, kind of uh, with a grimace on my face the entire way, of course, but uh, I felt good enough, you know, I was actually thinking how good I felt being back on the bike, which might be uh, somewhat ironic, but I was happy to be able to ride it again, you know. I don't know uh,
2: why you just didn't. Head west and come back home on the bike. Yeah,
3: well, the thought crossed my mind there. But considering that I ride a DR350, I was looking at a full day of travel. So uh, (laughs) I figured I'd stop in and check with the good people at St. Luke's before I made any uh, further travel plans.
2: So while you were away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, fill me uh, on what's been
3: going on around here.
2: I've been busy. I've been very busy. Um, uh, I think I'm working about seven days a week right now.
3: I'll join the club, um, brother.
2: There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, one of the things that you do here that is so helpful is keep those hot deal bikes and used bikes updated. Sure. And so uh, I've gotten in there and I've been working on them. And you know, last week I. I put up like 189 new used bike units. Yeah,
3: it's no small task, certainly.
2: No, and what's happening is these guys are selling a lot of used bikes, and somehow they're keeping up and and staying ahead of the supply and demand. So they're keeping the supply up. And so they might sell, you know, one dealer, Dealer A, might sell 20 units, but he just added 34 new used units. That's right. And so uh, I'm, I'm happy to see that because we were seeing so much uh, of a shortage on used bikes and people were blowing through them and not able to get enough.
3: Yeah. So A lot of discrepancy in uh, the number of uh, units that are going out and the units of uh, bikes that are coming in as far as our listings are concerned, but great to see. And I also think maybe that some of, uh, our, some of the dealers that we work with are getting a little more uh, savvy as far as getting all their inventory posted up online too, don't you think? Maybe
2: so. Um, I'm wondering if some of them aren't uh, out buying buying uh, bikes out of auctions by the truckload. This is a thing that uh, probably not a lot of our readers writers know. But uh, some dealers will go out and they'll hire a guy to go to a city and buy bikes on auction. And when the container is full, they ship it back up.
3: Right. So they come in batches.
2: Yeah. So so it looks like there's some of that going on. And probably there's a lot of, you know, I think there's a lot of people buying new bikes and trading in their old bikes. So that, that inventory is building out there.
3: Yeah. And, I, the, of course, as, as we talked about here, it's been a few weeks since I've been uh, updating the listings. But I've seen some pretty smoky deals going around too i mean if you're in the market for a used bike or even a, a previous year's model this is a pretty good time to be shopping don't you think oh you're talking about
2: on the hot deal side yeah well hot deal yeah. and on the
3: used bikes i've seen some yeah. great rides coming through there with and, uh, some really good prices
2: you know i was up at uh, skagit power sports earlier this month and i was i was doing some slideshows and and watching everybody getting to ride all the yamaha demos sure. and uh i mean there's some impressive new bikes on the market yeah uh the economy is decent right now at least for some people, that's right, and uh, and so we're seeing things good right now in the industry, better than they were in the past, and and it won't always be like this. It's going to go back down again. We always have, we always always get these recessions and cycles. Um,
3: so that's true. I want to talk to you a little bit uh, about the Yamaha demo days. There, did you see anything in the Yamaha lineup that really stood out to you?
2: Well, what was really cool was to look at all the bikes in a row sure. and see them all and realize that yamaha and this is not exclusive to yamaha other other manufacturers have done this sure. but yamaha has really gone through their line and updated pretty much the entire line they're, yeah. they're moving so many of these bikes into those three-cylinder models uh, the ones that are four-cylinder still they, they look good they update the, the the look and feel of them um, they've got a product breadth that goes across all the categories, cruisers, sport bikes, sport touring, Certainly does. uh, dual sport, you name it. Uh, I, I keep waiting for when they pop uh, a smaller, uh, Tenere. That's what I'm looking for. Sure. And, 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 uh, not seeing that happening yet, but we know it exists in Europe.
3: Right. So And that's a popular model here as well. And what are you thinking? Maybe you'd like to see something around the six fifty or maybe even less than that, five hundred range? They
2: got a I think it's a seven or eight hundred that they have in Europe right now. Yep. And the rumor was it was gonna come this year into the US but it didn't happen. Yeah it could still come in but if it does at this point it would probably be a
3: 2016 right and definitely a bit of a gap between the super ten array and the wr 250r right now so well, yeah. it'd be nice to fill that
2: and you know if they did a wr 600f
3: yeah i would
2: i would just be like wow right that's a bike
3: well, now, have you seen there's some dual-sport kits for the 450? Uh, Is it the WR450F? Yeah. Or, yes. uh I think, and I've seen those look pretty good. I yeah, mean, yeah. that's a pretty rad machine. And, and
2: I know somebody with one, and he actually got it plated streak legal. Nice, so, yeah. So, uh, that, you know. that's a little
3: workaround. It's always nice to be able to pick something off the showroom for, floor, and then you get the uh, not just the OEM accessories, but the aftermarket accessories that are a little more in breadth and a little more depth there. But uh, definitely, I think the Super Tenere in a less CC capacity would have a huge, huge following here in the yeah, United States. I, yeah,
0: I,
2: you know, you and I talk about this. I think the Super Tenere is a great quote adventure bike. Yeah. and when we talk about an adventure bike, we're talking about a bike that is a primarily good on the pavement. Yep. but it's a, it's a good, but it's so big, you know, for it's most people. Bike. Unless they go down and take the gym high school or whatever, they don't have the skills to run that thing off road for very long. Right. Um, the smaller 800s that you see from BMW, that type of stuff, that's, that's good, that's good stuff in the intermediate range. And yep. that's, that's what we need is we need an intermediate 10 Uh, the African twin, Africa twin at a thousand CCs is probably just a little too big for me sure. right now. Uh, but if I saw a 650 Africa Twin, right. I'd be
3: on that. And that's something uh, in your current setup with the NC700X, we've talked about with the appropriate tires. That's a pretty good mid-range bike there.
2: Yeah, so and I nice think to... we finally found a tire combination on that bike. Nice. You know, with the TKC80 in the front and the Hyden uh, Scout 60 with the solid tread through the center and the
3: rear. Nice. You had a chance to get on some uh, dirt roads and that kind of thing?
2: I did. Nice. And, and actually, I took Connie.
3: Oh great! Two so up, riding two up, that's riding
2: down in Hood River on, sure. on gravel roads. Beautiful, it was, it was sweet. I I couldn't I I I couldn't believe that I had the the in terms of control and and what I could do with the bike. Uh, of course, I wasn't going fifty miles an hour down dirt road either.
3: We, I don't know anybody who'd do that.
2: <laughs> All right. So um also <clears throat> over. uh uh, my seven day work weeks I've uh, been busy working on wrapping up everything for the Sasquatch Tour and uh, riders if you're, if, you're, if you're not working and you've got a week to play come ride with us in the Oregon Coastal Range it starts on July 6th and so I've been writing all the ride notes um, Bruce and Herb completed day one and day two Bob Owen completed day three and day four and we put all their information together. I rerouted a few sections, and we got a really fun ride coming up.
3: Bruce, Urban and Bob—I said it on the last uh, broadcast here—best pre ride guys in the business, hands down.
2: They're good. Really easy to work with. Yeah. They go anywhere. If I have a little extra, something I need them to do, never a complaint. It's it works out nice. So that's uh, that's underway. Um, Rallying the gorge. Everything is happening. Um, Got a nice poster now. If anybody needs a poster, we can get that to you on email if you want to print them out and put some around wherever
3: you are. Definitely. It looks great. And that's uh, an artist friend of yours I think we talked about last time a little bit as well.
2: Yeah, that's my friend Ted Kinnett. Right. And uh, he did a great job. I, I fed him all the photos. He did all the graphic design. Great job on that. Yeah,
3: kudos to Ted. I mean, really knocked it out of the park. The poster looks great.
2: Getting lots of pictures every day from people out on the Cafe to Cafe Grand Tour. And uh, still plenty of time to play. If you are not playing right now, but you want to play it, go online, find out all about it. And uh, you can sign up and get your kit. And uh, we're just looking forward to October. I hope it won't be raining like I predicted for end of August. Right. Let's hope not, uh, definitely. the, uh, The road trip will be coming up. And that'll be a nice time for us to break away. I don't know if people realize this, but, you know... This time of year, I'm working like seven days a week, and the only time I really get, I guess what we could call vacation time, sure. with quotes around it, is, uh, is when we take off and go and do the Sasquatch Dual Sport Tour, or we go and do the road
3: trip tour. Right. Or in my case, you have to break your arm to get a little vacation time around here. Ooh,
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Well Uh,
3: worth it either way.
2: I'm just waiting for you to get that mouse mobility back in your hand. Right, yeah. Well, the uh,
3: the throttle mobility comes back and the mouse mobility comes back. It'll be up to 100%. But hopefully in the meantime, you know, I'll get a little physical therapy going and I can start to work on that little by little. I don't see a cast around that. Yeah, apparently. So this is a radial fracture for uh, maybe those of you who have a little bit of medical experience here. And uh, my understanding is that they don't cast these. So um, I'll be in the sling for a couple of weeks and uh, we'll see. The doctor said two weeks at best until I'm out of the sling. So I asked him, does that mean I'll be riding in two Two weeks?" weeks? That's what he said, yeah. So, wow. at best, so 2 to 6 weeks. So we'll see. And I asked him if I'd be riding in uh 2 weeks. He said it'll probably be a little bit longer than that, but you know, judgment is in the hands of the operator, so.
2: Well, I was hoping when you came over uh that I'd be able
3: to sign something, but it doesn't <laughs> look like. It. I can still find something for you to sign. I don't know if you like it or not, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah.
2: Alrighty, righty, uh, tell us what's
3: going on on the show today, Yeah, Derek. so uh, we got a lot coming up, obviously, here right in the middle of summertime, and in the calendar, we've got a couple of great things that are going to be hitting the area uh, one of those is going to be, uh, well, it looks like actually maybe this is coming up, or did we just pass Bacon Fest? What do you know about Bacon Fest? Here? Yeah,
2: let's move on to July. That's it's, uh, uh, June, June there.
3: there. Yeah, it's yeah. Old there. Uh, well, on the uh, 1st of July, the Puget Sound Dual Sport Enthusiast Ride. So you'll be taking some guys out in uh, preparation for the Sasquatch Dual Sport Adventure, perhaps. Of course, on the 6th, we'll be starting the Sasquatch Dual Sport Adventure. And uh, it looks like a little bit later in the month, we also have our uh, Backfire Moto Night. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, in News Bites, maybe we'll talk about a few uh, hot weather riding tips, which I think is uh, apropos to the weather that we've been discussing. And, of course, after all of that, Sweet 16 at Sound Rider. So 16 years officially this month. And uh, I'm going to have a nice in-depth interview with Tom. We're going to talk a little bit about motorcycles, talk about the business and the future of the industry, and uh, get the man's insights. I mean, he's been at it for 16 years here. Nobody knows the Northwest motorcycling scene like Tom himself. So I'm going to pick his brain and uh, pass it all on to uh, you fellow riders out there and listeners.
0: All right, riders. We will be right back after this break. It's time to trade up at the Trade Up to a Yamaha event on now at Clems Enumclaw Power Sports with customer cash, low APRs, plus huge trade-in allowance on new Yamaha motorcycles and ATVs. From R1, R3, FC07, and FC09 sport bikes to chart-topping YZMX bikes, to real world tough, grizzly ATVs, Vikings, and new Wolverines side by sides. See Clem's Enumclaw Power Sports today, then trade up to a Yamaha. Visit Clem's in Enumclaw today. Offers good through September 30th, 2015 on purchases of select Yamaha motorcycles, ATVs, and side by sides. See dealer for details.
3: Back in studio on the Sound Rider show, as the sun sets in the distance over the beautiful Olympic Mountain Range, lots of great news items coming to the area here in the Pacific Northwest. Tom, uh, perhaps you can tell our good uh, listeners here a few things about what's been happening out here uh, in the Seattle area and the greater Northwestern area at large.
2: Well, I'm going to start today with uh, a mention of uh, Harold Olaf Cecil from Giant Loop Moto has been really. Pounding the Twitter board, the Facebook board, with information about Rally Raid products for the Honda CB500X. Um, I need to get on the horn with Harold and find out more about what's going on with this. It's a little tough between he and I being as busy as we are right now, but uh, he's he's been diligent on this. I can't...
3: Are these going to be almost like scrambler kits for these guys, or...
2: Well, some sort of a luggage setup, Yeah, and uh, I know he's been testing a lot. Just popping out to the Dropbox page, I should shooting sure. some pictures here. You can kind of take a look uh, at that, huh? he's been He's been testing a lot of product, and they've been getting this fine-tuned, and they're ready to come up with, uh, wow, he's got a suspension kit. Wow, he's just going after this. Uh, there's some sort of wheel rim, all this stuff. So it looks kind of like you just convert the CB 500 into a total dual sport. That'd be cool.
3: Yeah. Which is kind of uh, a little bit like we were talking about earlier, uh, with Yamaha, uh, this is maybe kind of a trade-off for maybe some of those Honda riders out there, but it looks like, yeah, it's the whole setup. Um, I wonder where can uh, our listeners go to check this out? Is this at uh, on Giant Loop's well, website? Well, what right they now do or? is they
2: go to they go to our site sure. and they go to News Bites and they click on the link that's in the in the News Bite feed. Um, I'm looking at some uh, fork preload adjusters. That's that's the kind of stuff I've always wanted for some of my bikes, sure. is, is to be able to adjust a preload. Triple clamp stuff. Wow, this is like in-depth. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little surprised because Giant Loop is, you know, we, so far all we know is they do a lot of luggage-type stuff. Sure. But this is an awful lot of add ons here. We got some levers going on. We've got a, a shift lever conversion here. Uh, some special tools. I mean, he's, he's, uh, on a whole new track here
3: yeah it's literally everything you could think about um what do you know about the 500 uh, honda anyway as far as just a general bike i mean weights and that kind of and that kind of thing are you familiar at all with sort of uh, spe- specifications well, it's
2: very similar to my nc 700x right and so um you know i know it's lighter i know it doesn't have as much gumption but that's okay and like we were talking about like you just said we're we're looking for stuff that uh we can uh take off road right yeah in a smaller class and this this appears to be it
3: or where he's going with it for sure Well, definitely something that is worth our listeners uh, heading over to SoundRider, clicking on the NewsBytes tab and checking out there. Uh, But what else is going on in the area? A couple other interesting things it looks like.
2: I want to thank uh, Happy Trails and people like Tamla Rich who have been retweeting the Rally in the Gorge video, so I thanked them on the Twitter feed. Um, Actually, I retweeted their tweets I guess that's the same thing as thanking, isn't it?
3: Sure. Well, I'd also like to uh, thank Happy Trails for supplying the rescue mission to get my bike uh, outside of the emergency room parking lot and uh, also feeding me dinner that night before I flew back from Boise. So oh, yeah. thanks to Tim and the guys out there.
2: And they'll be uh, they'll be putting your luggage back together for you, too, that they gave
3: you. They took good care of me, so good people. <laughs> and they have a, a huge variety of uh, product out there, too. Uh, of course, not maybe not so much a shameless plug because I do owe them a, a great deal of thanks. But definitely check out the website because they've got some great pannier setups and some other great aftermarket accessories for things like your a GS or your KLR650.
2: So we've been running a couple of campaigns across Twitter and Facebook to uh, promote the cooling vest that we sell. And one of the things that is very important that people understand is that when you're using a cooling vest, you want to have air flowing over it. Right. Uh, not excessive air, like, uh, like you don't wear the cooling vest with nothing else. You put on a jacket over it. Sure. Um, if you put on a mesh jacket over it, it will dry out sooner. If you put on a regular jacket and open up all the vents, uh, you'll get a nice airflow in there and you'll maintain, uh, the water level. So, uh, And that's
3: something that will last for a few hours, too, right? It's kind of one of those things. If you take off on a hot morning there and you stop for lunch, you can redouse the cooling vest, and you'll be good uh, into the evening as well.
2: It depends on the humidity. Sure. If it's super, super dry, you may need to recharge the vest every couple of hours. But that's not a big deal, usually, because when you're out doing a ride, you're not out in the middle of nowhere for that amount of time, typically. Um, If you are, you could... I suppose you could take a dry bag and fill it with water Sure, and have some extra water with you to put to soak it in.
3: Or just when you stop at the gas station, just dunk it in that window cleaner tank there, and then uh, once you get back on the road, you'll be good to go. (laughs) Yeah, and make sure you lick it before you put it back on, too. Well, that's usually how I clean my windshield visors when I'm out in the desert. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
2: because those things are always clean to start with.
3: (laughs) Lots of different ways to uh, skin a cat uh, or your elbow, as it may be, right?
2: So it was kind of interesting. This month we um, we did a revision on our 10 hot weather riding myths busted and uh, posted it up on the store blog. And I went and did a Google search on it, and uh, I can't believe how many people have plagiarized what we did. Um, originally wrote this story back around 2008, and since then probably a dozen or so blogs have, have basically typed. The material, sure. Stripped out the photos, stripped out the links. Don't give any credit to the person who wrote it, which is a guy named uh, what's his name? Happy Morning Wood or something like that. Happy
3: Morning Wood, yeah, something like that. <laughs> sure, yeah. So
2: uh, uh, you know, it, it's been plagiarized to death. And uh, we're just working on the search stuff now to to get our versions back up there again. Well,
3: I suppose the most sincere form of flattery is uh, plagiarism, as they say. What is uh, on the top of that list, or maybe in your writing experience, Tom, what do you think is sort of the biggest hot weather writing myth that you see? And uh, just sort of to segue on that, too, I just want to make one comment. As I was writing out in Idaho just a few days ago, you know, that's a ride-free state as far as helmets are concerned, but I see a lot of guys with no helmets and no shirts on in those summertime temperatures, so uh, something that I wouldn't recommend.
2: So there's a fallacy right there. They okay. think they're going to be cooler, right? Sure. Instead, what they're doing is all the liquid in their body is evaporating. Right. They're not replacing it. Uh, they're ruining their flesh, and... Um, I don't want to see them in, like, 20 years from now. They're going to be scaly. and.
3: Yeah, that's assuming that their uh, riding career lets them uh, live that long, right? I certainly would have been in much worse condition if I didn't have my textile jacket on and, of course, my helmet when I uh, went down over the uh, last couple of weeks here. And, you know, a helmet actually keeps you cooler. Uh, you know, I've heard that, but uh, perhaps you can explore that a little more in depth. Because uh,
2: it insulates you from all the excess heat on the outside. You've got to have some airflow going in there, and that's why so many helmets have ventilation on them. Sure. So as long as you keep the airflow moving on the inside of the mm-hmm. helmet, you keep those those little buttons open, uh, you're going to be cooler with a full-face helmet on than if you had no helmet on.
3: And I was going to uh, ask you on that as well, because both you and uh, you and myself, Our full-face helmet guys, most of the people I think that we work with are, but how do you feel about sort of open-face helmets and that kind of thing?
2: Um, Personally, I I don't want to experience coming off the bike with one on. And wasn't it quite a – isn't it just a little shock to you every time you're in Idaho and you look and there goes a guy with no helmet on at all?
3: It does kind of uh, throw you uh, a little bit, uh, sort of off kilter there. But I did live in Florida for a while, so I saw a lot of that, and uh, I also saw a lot of uh, down bikes in Florida with uh, no rider to be found, and of course crime scene tape around it as well. So well,
2: that's because the gators eat them.
3: The gators do eat them. They yes. don't eat
2: the bikes. They just eat the rider after it goes down.
3: That's it. They just, they just eat the riders. You know, <laughs> I, I've heard that. Uh, Riders in Florida are the tastiest riders. So um, I don't know. You'll have to ask the gator population there. But uh, always wear a helmet. I think that's always good advice.
2: Well, everybody does what they want. We, we were going down Lake City Way yesterday, and there was a guy in one of those new slingshots. That's a three wheel deal. Three wheel deal. Sure. It's, yeah. Uh, and uh, no helmet.
3: Really? I don't know what plan he was on, but I don't think that's legal. I wouldn't think so, because they're still considered motorcycles, right? You still have to have an endorsement to ride.
2: It's got three wheels. It's like a Can-Am Spider. I think it classes the same way. Sure. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that.
3: Um... But lots of good things to check out on the hot weather riding uh, material. Uh, that's one of the things that has sort of been covered in depth on Rider. So definitely just go out there, scroll the archive, and maybe look out for some other new articles coming down our way here in the next couple of months.
2: Yeah, make sure you join us for the December show when we do the 10 hot re- hot weather riding myths busted. We read it in rote.
3: That's right. Well, you know, in <laughs> December here when the weather's a little bit cooler, we're not allowed to do as much riding. We're really mm-hmm. reaching for content here on the uh, broadcast. So, you know, we'll really dive into some of those technical myths
2: so let's uh let's move on here and we'll go to the calendar and talk about what's going on in the northwest um coming up here uh, we already talked about the sasquatch tour that starts on next sunday night in astoria sure still July time to 6. get on
3: that though that's that correct
2: yeah yeah we still got room in the truck if you want to put a bag in there uh, some people don't know this, but we actually carry people's luggage for them, so whatever they don't need during the day, they can just throw on board, and then we carry that in the element, and, uh, we, and there's a pickup point at the end of each day where people can pick up their overnight stuff.
3: Right, so you can really just get out there and enjoy the actual riding, which is kind of nice. Yeah,
2: and then our friend uh, Steve, or, uh, Eric Folkstead. No, Steve Folkstead. I'm mixing up my Folkstead. Sure. Uh, The Hell's Canyon Rally coming up on July 9th out in Baker City. Man, coming up fast here. It's definitely summertime. uh, If if the weather holds, you know it's going to be a smoking one.
3: Yep. (laughs) Uh,
2: This is one that I wanted to do. Uh, Oh, no, this is not. This is a different one. Anyways, uh, so we got, okay, so moving on. We got a fun run coming up called the Puppy Putt 13, and it uh, supports the Guide Dogs of America. And then we've also, on that same day, the Angel Ride for Hospice. And uh, all that money supports um, uh, hospice and home care in Snohomish County. Sure,
3: so right out here in Washington. And what date was that again, Tom?
2: That's on July 11th.
3: So again, just right around the corner here, and uh, you know, a couple of great causes, certainly if they uh, strike your fancy. Good excuse to get out and ride your motorcycle, which is uh, always a good thing.
2: And then uh, July 12th, the uh, Gold Ring Road Riders Washington Chapter A has their mystery ride, and uh, you want to know where they're going?
3: <laughs> that would kind of defeat the purpose of the mystery, but since I don't have a Gold Wing sure, why not?
2: It's a mystery. Oh,
3: okay. <laughs> well, I walked into that one, I suppose.
2: And uh, maybe Tim
3: Bernard can make some recommendations out there for (laughs) you. I know.
2: July 16th, Victory Northwest Regional Meet. So I know they've done this a few times now. And uh, we're seeing more and more victory bikes out on the road. And so they'll be doing their own meet. Uh, We've got some racing down at Pacific Raceways coming up.
3: And A lot of good stuff, you know. If you roll over to the calendar page there, you can always get the rolling updates. So uh, we always encourage people, especially in the summertime to look out uh, for things that might be coming to their area.
2: Well, you sound like we're going to sign off from the calendar. I'm not ready to sign off.
3: <laughs> it wasn't, se- wasn't quite segueing to that, but what else you got on your mind here? So uh,
2: Johnny Mann is doing his Cruising for Critters. Uh, this will be the second year for this, and this raises money for the Whitman County Humane Society in Pullman. So our friends out there in uh, uh, Spokane area, out there in uh, – uh, just over across the way in Idaho, you can uh get on a uh get on a a pretty fun fun run and get out there and support the uh Humane Society out there. Uh schedule Power Sports doing a track day and then we wrap up July with the Pendleton Bike Week. You know what I don't see here? And I'm not sure why it's not there, but we've got the BMW rally, the national rally going on. Right. In in, uh, Montana. Sure. So uh, Connie and I will be loading up the Element and the U-Haul and making our way out there. And that will be happening that last, uh, I think it's the last weekend in uh, July so you're going to have to do everything while I'm
3: gone. Okay, i well, will have to get this. Arm. I'll have to get this arm back into shape here. Now, have you visited the uh, BMW MOA rally out in uh, Montana? You've done that several times before, right? Well,
2: They move it, they move it every year. Okay. So uh, we've done it in uh, Redmond, Washington. We've done it uh, or Redmond, Oregon. Excuse me. Sure. Hey, I think they should do it in Redmond, Washington. Let's have it out at the
3: Microsoft campus next time. <laughs> yeah, that sounds they like got a something. A lot of room
2: out there. A lot of restrooms. They're That's all right. set to go. I'm yeah, sure they got shower facilities. Bill
3: Gates, if you're listening. And then, come on man get on it yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, come on we'll, sat, you
3: know, <laughs> here's a question for you if bill gates were a motorcycle rider what kind of motorcycle do you think that he'd ride honda rebel
2: 250
3: a rebel 250 okay yeah i mean that seems like a decent hey fit. that
2: sounds like a fun show yeah you know what let's let's do that sometime we'll we'll do you, you'll pick like five people and i'll pick five people and then we'll have to answer the other person to uh what what we think that guy would
3: ride right and if yeah. we get it right then uh they have to buy that motorcycle is that how it works or? well no because <laughs> yeah. they don't actually ride most likely sure most likely so. yeah i i would like to see though uh bill gates you know maybe out there at the uh sasquatch dual sport uh, adventure tour on his Honda Rebel 250, I think that'd be a great look.
2: Yeah, I'd like to see him there just handing out pizza slices at lunch up on Mary's Peak on Tuesday <laughs> and not on a motorcycle.
3: Well, with as, with as much Microsoft equipment we have around here, I would say, Bill, that's the least you could do. Trust me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: we have been good investors here at mixed media that's for
3: sure definitely all
2: right folks we're going to take a break and then uh we're coming back we've got
3: our, our first and only interview of the show who is it again this week that's right we'll have sound writer, uh founder and uh my fellow co-host here tom Marin. so uh stick around we'll be back on the other side of the break
0: see you in a moment nothing should stand between you and your passion for heart-thumping sport bike performance Honda is helping to fuel the passion and fuel the savings with great deals on our most popular sport bikes. They're equipped with technology that's been proven on the track, bringing precision and performance to the streets. You can ride off with as low as 3.99% fixed APR financing and up to $1,500 in bonus bucks on select models. So fuel the passion and fuel the savings today at Ride Motorsports in Woodinville, Washington and take home the Honda sport bike you've been waiting for Special 3.99% fixed APR financing available for well-qualified buyers. Not all buyers may qualify. Bonus bucks are good with select new and unregistered models. See dealer for complete program details.
2: Hey, I'm Don Hutchins. I'm the editor of the Washington State BMW Riders newsletter, The Shaft. I live in Kingston. My favorite ride is the Tahuya Peninsula on my K1600 with my sweetie on the back.
3: Welcome back to a very special edition of Inside the Writers Studio. I am your special guest host, Derek Roberts, and I have here with me uh, soundwriter, founder, and uh, longtime Pacific Northwest writer, Tom Marin. Tom, how you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing good. Good. So, I had a nice, nice meal. And, uh,. Got myself real greased up, nice, because I heard you were going to do an interview with me.
3: That's right, yeah, we we'll so, get you prepped uh, up for that, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. That's right. Uh, well, what do you make of this? I mean, this is sixteen years for Soundwriter, founded in nineteen ninety nine. Did you did you ever think that uh, you know sixteen years ago, more or less today, that we'd be sitting here talking about uh, Soundwriter still in circulation?
2: I was hoping after 16 years I'd be counting my money, but that that didn't happen.
3: <laughs> Is that because it doesn't take nearly as long to count it as you would hope?
2: Well, yeah, I was I was hoping I would be counting a lot of money, but uh, you know. But was, how how much fun have you had though? Oh, so much fun it yeah. offsets all the money I can't count. <laughs> <laughs> I really so, have. I mean, yeah. you know, we we talk about this. We do the dining magazine and we do the motorcycle magazine, sure. And we talk about how, um, you know, that it's a living. But uh, it's you know, like I say, I've not outcounted my money. But there's so much fun, and and what we talk about is you don't know when you're working and when you're playing, right. And as long as you manage that enough to where you don't work yourself into the ground, then you're having a good time. And I'm I, I pretty much, i got to say, I'm pretty much always having a good time
3: doing this. Definitely, and that's something, uh, sort of a maybe secondary anniversary here, but this also marks more or less my one-year anniversary of working with Soundwriter. Yeah,
2: that's true. You came in just about now, didn't that's you? That's
3: right, yeah. So, uh, And I can attest to that. We do have a, a hell of a lot of fun around here. Uh, not just talking motorcycles, but actually doing the nuts and bolts. But let's step back a little bit, and uh, I want to talk about how you uh, got started in motorcycling. What was your first experience there?
2: Well, I lived in uh, Pasadena, California, and some of the neighborhood kids got motorcycles, and I wanted to ride one. So I said to my friend Ted Kinnett, who we mentioned earlier, um, I want to ride your bike, and he said, go ahead. And I rode it, and I I, uh, I was on a little oval track with a jump in the middle of it, and I grabbed that throttle to go it right up over the jump and jumped the bike. So Ted said, get up, go around again, and this time don't grab that throttle so hard. Yeah. And my knee was really hurting a lot, but I did it anyways. Uh, but I didn't break any
3: bones, you know. That's good. And you landed the jump the second time around.
2: And I did fine. I went over it. And so he would let me ride his bike every once in a while, and that was so. So that mini trail fifty was, you know, historical. It was a mini trail fifty painted in Mexican yellow.
3: Nice, yeah.
2: And that that that's where it began. And then my mother would never let me have a bike. She would always say, um, you know, make sure uh, you, t- you you wear a helmet when you ride those kids' motorcycles, but you're not getting your own and uh so sure enough my 18th birthday i'm still living at home and what do you think showed up at the yeah. house
3: and you got a new motorcycle my new motorcycle <laughs> that's right <laughs> well you know mothers are uh, want to do that but pretty great that she was supportive enough to uh, encourage you well maybe not encourage you but not discourage you from riding your friends motorcycles huh
2: she let me get that far
3: yeah <laughs> so let's talk a little bit though about sound Riders. let's fast forward now it's 1999 Uh, And you're about to start an online magazine. How do you you get started?
2: Um, I was on my way out of the music industry. And I took six months off and um, uh, thought about what I wanted to do. And I, I came up with this idea. I wanted to do online magazines. And back then in 1999, it wasn't a bad idea
3: yeah well, just what was the landscape like though, for sort of uh online content sites in nineteen ninety nine I mean that's night and day then from where we're at right now
2: oh yeah you had pets dot com and yep. and all kinds of uh you know i'll do your work for you.com dot com type sites sure. and uh, Amazon was getting hot uh and we were in a tech um bubble of course It was yeah. on on the way to bursting. Um, so I wrote a business plan and I got it funded inside my family and, uh, wrote the first online magazine and published it, uh, in January of 99. I wrote the second one, published that in May of 99. That was Seattle dining. And then in July, Soundwriter showed up and, uh, it was, uh, what I did was I took all the things I really enjoy doing and I turned them into online magazines, eating, Same. riding motorcycles. And the third one that is no longer exists today, the first one that launched, was a music magazine. So,
3: Well, definitely uh, some good industries as far as uh, sort of quality of life is concerned to be involved with. Uh, of course, we do want to focus more towards the sound rider end here, but, uh, you know, why did, specifically, I mean motorcycles, we talk about enjoying it, but what opportunity did you see there for a business? Or was it more, was your perspective just, you know what, this is the life I want, this is what I'm going to do, you know, head down, let's move forward and see what happens?
2: Well, I had gone through three corporate layoffs, mm-hmm. and I just got tired of it. Sure. So I, as I wrote this business plan up, I made a point of doing the things I enjoy doing, and the way it's worked out is the way I had hoped it would work out. I'm I'm my own boss. I can't get laid off. I lay myself off every night before I go to bed, and then I hire myself again in the morning. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, you know, it's worked out in that regard, and – I know I sleep at night a lot better because of it, you know when I worked in the corporate world, you always like have those nights when you don 't sleep well and you really it really bugs you now if I have a night i don 't sleep well i 'll just like well for some reason i 'm not
3: sleeping well tonight, but that 's right, get up and do a little coding right.
2: Yeah, do yeah. a little coding, read a tablet, you know, yeah.
3: something, something fun. Did you think? Um, did you see an opportunity though, specifically with motorcycles? Did you think that that would sort of be, you know, of the three magazines that you originally started? Did you think sixteen years from now that's going to be my flagship, or what were your feelings on the industry at the time?
2: We didn't know. Um, yeah. uh, I went through this with my brother, who was sort of my consultant through the business plan, and he's a, a CPA and certified trader and very much a money guy. And we we talked a lot. I actually thought that the Dining Magazine was going to be the big boy. Interesting. Um, but I knew that in terms, you know, when you do a business plan, you look at all your competition. Uh, in terms of the competition that I had back in 99 it was it was a a print magazine that's long gone uh another print came around tried to tried to make it they didn't uh there's a cruiser print magazine that's still around now called uh quick throttle and they're still doing their thing and we're doing ours and i don't see us bumping into what they do very much but um You know, it was, uh, it was that's the nice thing about business plans. You really take a good, hard look at everything,
3: sure. Did uh, what were people's reactions when you know the first few issues launched? I mean, we're January, February 1999, not exactly uh, primetime motorcycle, uh, sort of uh, riding weather. Uh, maybe the interest seasonally is kind of at its lull there. No, no, it
2: launched in July. Oh, in July. That's why we're here. We're <laughs> Sorry, celebrating January. 16 years right,
3: right. now. So. Uh, well, the question still stands: Why? Um, what were the people's reactions uh, initially?
2: They thought it was cool. They yeah. they thought that they would have an interactive place to go and to learn more about riding in the area. That was always the goal. Um, they felt that they had a place that. Covered all the bases, not just you know. There's people who own a Harley, and they also own a BMW sport touring bike. Sure. So if they're going to read a uh, cruiser magazine, where they're going to get their sport touring stuff, and how they're going to get it regionally. Mm-hmm. So uh, they thought it was cool. And and uh, way back then, I used to put cards on people's bikes. That's how I. How I I built the subscriber base was uh, putting some cards on people's bikes, and then they'd they'd go and dial into the magazine when they got home and take a look, and they'd subscribe, and and it just grew and grew and grew. The dealers loved it because they had a place, finally, that they could uh, expose themselves and not have to spend huge amounts of money. Uh, There was one dealer here in Seattle who was spending a large amount of money in the Seattle Times, and really, you know, when you when you spend the kind of money over in a in a magazine or in a newspaper that where you know only five percent of the population rode motorcycles, so sure. that meant ninety five cents on your dollar was kind of wasted.
3: Yeah, a much more uh, fractured and segmented reader base. There is there a time. Um Maybe a few years, or maybe even just a couple of months, where uh, things kind of started to feel like they clicked for you and for Soundwriter. Did was there like where you where you felt comfortable? Like, okay, this is this is a business now. I can uh, you know I can sort of operate things. I can make a living on its own, and I can kind of do my thing here. Was there a time that that sort of was. Uh, engaged for you? Yeah,
2: there definitely was. Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning, um, I couldn't make enough money advertising revenue to pay my bills and there wasn't a whole lot of money that came in on the front end to run the business so that money kind of went pretty quick and uh so what i would do is i would job myself out and i did a number of websites for dealers around the area i did uh, lake city power sports i did aurora suzuki i did rent motorcycles um, I don't remember them all off the top of my head. I built out the very first used bike section that Ride West BMW used on their website. Wow. Um so I was doing contract work and that was helping me to pay my bills. I actually had a couple of, of music business contract people uh, that I was doing work for. And so the moment when I knew that things were gonna work out was when I Finally, kind of fired all these clients along the way and was looked at my bottom line on what I was bringing in revenue wise with Soundwriter and Seattle Dining and said, I'm making enough money to make it. Yeah. So I don't need to have these. So I don't, you know, today I do, I do a couple of, of contract clients, but not like I used to.
3: What year was that, would you say?
2: I'm going to have to take a guess on that, but it was probably about 2003 or four.
3: So that's a fairly quick turnaround. I mean, for a lot of new businesses, obviously, uh, they don't even last. But uh, to look at just a couple of years. Yeah,
2: it was after the three-year three mark. Sure. But the way I floated it through there was through the auxiliary income.
3: Sure. Well, uh, it's nice to be able to have, I suppose, that auxiliary income where you're still your own boss. Uh, while you're sort of uh, pursuing... Yet another venture, and we're certainly glad that is here sixteen years later um you've worked with a lot of writers uh writers that is over the years. Are there any articles that sort of stand out to you that have been uh, maybe written in the past um, that really sort of you know encapsulates um soundwriter as a whole? Is there anything that stands out?
2: Well, there were some um milestone articles that were written um Probably the the biggest one that stands out in my mind is one that I wrote and then sent it over to David Huff to have him put the finishing touches on. Mm -hmm. And it was called Biker-Friendly Bars. Mm -hmm. Do We Really Need Them? Sure. And it was a rip on a Biker-Friendly Bars category in a print magazine telling people where to go to have a Biker-Friendly experience. Right. And so I wrote that article, and David kind of put the front end on it, and it really got people going. Uh, and that's the kind of stuff that I like to publish. is the stuff that really gets people going. I, I'm not just putting stuff out there to get them going. Mm-hmm. And this was a topic that had to be discussed. And so – the readers were reading it. They were sending me letters back, good or bad, you know, one way or another. And then we followed it up the next month with all the reader responses. And we kind of had a two-way street going with all the, uh, the writers and the readers of the magazine where they were getting to contribute as well on that subject.
3: Do you have a personal uh, limit or do you even consume alcohol when you're out riding? Do I have a what? Personal limit, or do you even consume alcohol when you're out riding? Because that was sort of the crux of the article was that there are these recommendations to essentially hop on the bike and go drink, right? Yeah. And uh, you guys were kind of challenging that. So do you personally, um, when you're out riding, do you ever you know, go in for a glass of wine or for a beer or anything like that? Or I do.
2: I'll have a glass of wine or I'll have a beer at lunch. hmm and uh, I've experimented with it the other way, you know. Sure. It didn't work out good. Okay, so. yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, if I if I go out with, you know, my Pews of Sound Jewel Sport Enthusiast group guys or whatever, I'll have a beer at lunch, but I'm not going to have two. Sure. I'm certainly not going to have three. Sure.
3: Um, so that's one of the articles that stands out, and uh, we mentioned that you were co-author on that, but I'm interested, how do you feel about your own writing? Because you do a lot of the writing for Soundwriter. How do you feel... Um, that can, not just contributes, but when you read your own pieces, what do you what is sort of your uh, instinctual reaction?
2: Uh, I think I wrote it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but when you compare it to sort of, I mean, other motorcycle publications or to even other writers that have contributed, do you sort of see yourself as uh, comparable to them? Do you see yourself as maybe more uh, of an experienced writer? I mean, how do you feel about it? We talk we joke a lot around here about uh sort of your English background, right? As far as grammar and that kind of thing is concerned. But as far as <laughs> about how horrible <laughs> my English grammar is? Exactly. But as far as the content <laughs> is concerned, do you see yourself as a good writer?
2: So, um I I can't say if I'm a good writer or not. But what I what I try to accomplish is um it's my voice is very matter-of-factual, mm-hmm. and then I, I might get in there and do a second edit and add in a little bit of funny stuff just to try to keep you laughing a little bit now and then. Sure. Uh, but But what I want when I write a piece is to be able to educate somebody about something they didn't know. Um, I don't want to put a bunch of blather in just to fill up space. Uh, You know that's not necessary. We have a lot of information to bestow on people, and uh, uh, so that's where my voice starts. I see. And then if I want to interject a little personality, I'll do that too. Um, I don't know if I'm a good writer or not, but people seem to read the stuff, so that's 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 a good sign.
3: Sixteen years running, I'd say that's definitely a good sign. Um, and speaking of 16 years, what kind of trends or shifts in the motorcycle culture have you noticed over the last you know, decade and a half?
2: It uh, changes all the time. Yeah. But um, I, think, I think that I'm seeing a more – the riders who have stayed riding, say, over the last decade, I'm seeing a, a sharper guy out there now, a sharper girl. Uh, people who do take the time to understand why the body overheats, understand how to pack their gear and make it all fit on the bike and not carry too much stuff. Uh, they want to know. Uh, it used to be, it's just kind of everybody was just a loose cannon. Well, we decided we're going to go up to Alaska. They sure. you know, they'd have these bikes overloaded with gear and food and bear boxes and you name it. And and I, I see a, a, a more evolved rider now, and to some, some degree, I think that we assist in that with the kind of information we put out.
3: And you talked about uh, a little bit like these guys just sort of taking off in the past and heading up into Alaska and that kind of thing. What do you make of the latest surge in sort of adventure riding and now these new models like the Super Tenere, which we talked about earlier in the broadcast here, Um, is this something that uh, you saw shades of in the past that you think is kind of fairly new, or do you think this is just more marketing spin?
2: Uh, What I see is a lot of returning riders. So for those guys, um, they kind of have to decide if they want to come back on a cruiser or try something different. And since so many of them had a dirt bike background, as growing up as kids and maybe they got off their bike when they were 21 and they got married and they've been doing a lot of, of off-road stuff. So that's uh, I think part of what fuels that dual sport adventure market. And uh and I definitely, you know, we've we've been watching that grow for well over 10 years. Sure. And uh I um, I see where people start with it, and then I see where they go and and you know like uh, like with our own stuff we we do the sasquatch tour, we have people that come out on it, they maybe do it a second year, and then we don 't see them again, but we stay in touch with them, and we find out that that was their entry into doing some long distance riding and next thing I know they 're going through Central America sure. they 're going uh you know they're just taking off on their own by themselves riding all over the place and we love to see that happen
3: so. And i guess that's one thing with a lot of those uh adventure bikes is they are pretty good touring machines at the end of the day
2: yeah yeah and the dual sport bikes
3: right you know right um tell me a little bit uh sort of on that note about the rally in the gorge when did this get started and what inspired it
2: so in 2002 a uh, longtime friend of soundwriter Bill Farley said to me, I want you to come to Canada with me and I'm gonna show you the Sport Bike West Rally. And I think you need to do a sport bike rally here in Washington State. And so I went up there and uh I got into town before I even got to the rally site. I was already seeing crash incidents. Right. And so I got over to the, they call it Eight Mile Ranch, which didn't make any sense to me in Canada because I thought they probably should have been calling it like 12 Kilometer Ranch. Which seems but... more fitting, yeah. <laughs> But uh, you know, Dino runs until three a.m. And, right. and and so I got back home and Bill and I got together and I said, well, you know, I I see what's going on and I think it's a good thing, but um, if if I'm gonna do it, it has to have a sort of an educational element to it. And I don't want all this hooligan stuff going on. I don't want people hurting themselves on motorcycles. So we, we proceeded in 2003, or I proceeded, to uh, do the, the first sport bike Northwest. And uh, 2006, we actually asked a few people not to come back, because they were of that sort of hooligan
3: sure thing. And that's not what we wanted. And so you were a sport bike guy then uh, at that time.
2: So I had a little Honda CB400F, also known as a CB1, and uh, the sweet spot was at about 10,500 RPM.
3: Really? Yeah. So that thing was uh, whining right along, huh?
2: It was quite a fun bike. Uh, The trouble with it was that once you loaded it with luggage, it turned into a
3: dog. Well, I can imagine, right? Because of a 400cc there, it doesn't give you a a whole lot once you start getting the wind resistance out there with the added package components. Um, a couple of quick hit questions for you here, and we'll lead in from that last one. Why are you a Honda guy? Cause they work. <laughs> is that the only reason, though, or I mean, does it go back to that Honda Trail Fifty that you started out on? Uh, we know the yellow is something that you've carried through into your uh, current collection. You've even done custom paint jobs. I believe your NC Seven Hundred X is actually a custom paint job. Is that correct? Where's my couch?
2: I need to be on the couch now. It's like a psychology interview or something. I don't know. Um, Yeah, maybe that's where the yellow came from. No, the yellow comes from being seen. sure. Um, And the Honda comes from back in the 70s when I was riding motorcycles. Uh, It was the Suzuki's and the Yamaha's and Kawasaki's that were not uh, making it that well you know the in terms of the quality mm-hmm. it wasn't there now today that's totally different and we all know it honda makes great bikes but so does suzuki kawasaki yamaha bmw triumph for sure i mean in the list uh, you know the quality of bikes today is so much better than they were agree back then that's where that's where that's where the allegiance to honda came from
3: Any considerations that you would give to to getting your next bike to not being a Honda? Is there something out there that you would like to... I know you're trying to downsize the stable right now, but are you maybe looking to cash out, two and bring in one, or...?
2: So, before I got my NC700X, I actually had a very nice Yamaha FC6. Mm -hmm. And I had invested quite a bit of money into upgrading it into into a really nice middleweight sport touring bike. And... uh, it was it was an awesome bike. I want to find a guy who has it because uh, I'd like to see it again. I kind of miss it a little yeah. bit. You
3: know? <clears throat> well, of the motorcycles that you've owned, and there's been several over the years, uh, has there been one that stands out as a favorite?
2: Yes, but I don't want people to
3: be unhappy when I tell them this. Now, that doesn't sound like the Tom Marin I know, so I think maybe you better just <laughs> let it go. <laughs> Uh, I
2: love my Honda silver wing scooter. Yeah. Uh, I love that low center of gravity, that gyroscopic feel to it. Um, there's probably a few things. If I was going to redesign that bike, what I would do to it, I'd, I'd get that compression up a little bit. Um, I'd probably make those wheels a little bit bigger, but, uh, and it's just, it's a blast. And I don't, you know, right, right now I'm working so much I don't get to ride any of the bikes very much. Sure. So I'm, I'm missing it. It's, it's down in the stable, but uh, it's well, under the bag.
3: Well, the, you know, the chief sort of uh, goal in riding is to have fun. And uh, scooters, you know, they're fun, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. And it's got 100 liters of storage. It's got 50, 50 liters under the seat, 50 liters in the top box. Uh, if Connie wanted to go with me. And we go to and we're gonna go do hotels. She gets one compartment and I get the other compartment. That's all we need.
3: It's, so that's like the uh mini gold wing.
2: <laughs> well that's I, I guess that's why they re why they branded it the silver wing. They right. had a silver wing way back when in the eighties. Um that was a six hundred, they did a, a six fifty touring bike version of the five hundred. So is the Silver Wing yellow? Mine, yeah. Oh
3: sure, okay. All they're, my bikes are yellow. They're all yellow. Okay, I just wanted to make Is sure. Is there I'm any that...
2: other color? I I didn't actually know there was another <laughs> <laughs>
3: color. Now, what do they call that specifically? I guess it's not high vis yellow. It's like uh... it's
2: a it's a it's a pearl essence yellow, and it was used in the introduction of the Honda B two thousand car. Okay, and the introduction of the Goldwing GL eighteen hundred.
3: Well, I got to say, I'm not a yellow guy, but I think it looks pretty good on uh, on the bikes you have. Um, now you're kind of known, well, maybe people don't know this, I guess, but certainly over the uh, year plus that I've known you here, you're kind of a gadget guy. What's one piece of sort of non-traditional gear or maybe a product for motorcycling that you would recommend? Uh, a, a,
2: a non-traditional item? Yeah. So, I mean, i
3: see. what do you recommend? Say, well, always wear a helmet. Like I get that, but something maybe outside of the, uh, you know, always carry your toolkit or like that. Is there anything? Always carry a corkscrew. Always carry a corkscrew. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that, and uh, you know, that's part of the innovation that we've done here. Is we come up with things like medical USB cards or right. uh stuff that that nobody ever thought of, and uh, and and I like I, I like that aspect of of innovating those things. And if you, if if you find it that you need it and it works for you, great. You know, right um but i i don't know there's not one thing that comes to mind there's uh, if you look at my my packing list there's stuff that that's there that you might think is a little bit kooky um certainly when one of the things you always need is uh something that does more than one
3: job sure and is there anything specifically that maybe stands out on that list
2: like a leatherman tool sure
3: okay so Leatherman tool, I mean, I think that's a decent one. What yeah. do you have? I mean, we sell quite a few in the Soundrider store, of course.
2: Well, I have the one with the corkscrew.
3: The one with the corkscrew. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you ever get stranded, make sure you have the corkscrew and, uh, you know, something to uncork. Um, now, I'm going to ask you a question here that's going to be maybe have you rack your brain a little bit more here. But I'm curious, you know, because you have been in the industry so long. Is there a motorcycle-related law that you would like to see enacted or abandoned here in the Pacific Northwest, maybe specifically Washington because that's where uh, we are headquartered and you spend most of your time?
2: Um, Probably the most recent one that's been enacted, which is everybody has to have a good-to-go pass in order to use the HOV lane on 405
3: for free. Right.
2: I think that's just the dumbest thing in the world because – We've been using the HOV lane down on 167 and not paying and not having to have a good-to-go pass the whole time. So why do we have to have one up on 405?
3: That sounds ridiculous. Right. So if it's free, just let them go, right?
2: Yeah. And I'll tell you, a long-term one that I'd like to see go away is uh, not having to have mandatory insurance on a motorcycle in the state of Washington. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the dumbest things in the world. Everybody who rides a motorcycle – should have liability insurance. I mean, you could do a lot of damage to a four-year-old who pops out in a crosswalk, and if you don't have the liability insurance, that's it, it, a problem.
3: You're sunk. Yeah, well, that's true. And motorcycle insurance uh, is sort of notoriously inexpensive, too.
2: This is something that you're never going to see the dealers support. They'd mm-hmm. rather just sell motorcycles and not worry about you know who the cop is and what the what the laws are. But uh, I I think we need to enact mandatory motorcycle insurance in this state.
3: Okay, interesting. And I think probably just, uh, and we don't want to detour too far into politics here, but I think it's probably the slippery slope argument that a lot of people would um, make—that if you do force people to do one thing, and then what's what's next, right?
2: Yeah. Well, right now we're spending more time worrying about you know let's get some lane splitting going and worrying about something important like that.
3: Sure. So I've got uh, just a couple of, uh, two more questions for you. But before I do that, 16th anniversary of SoundWriter. What are you going to get SoundWriter for its birthday? We have a
2: special gift we're giving to SoundWriter for its birthday. And what is that gift? And it's been imposed upon us by Bing and Google. <laughs> and so uh, hard as we tried two and a half years ago when we rebuilt the website from the ground up, We are going to have a responsive web design coming up shortly, probably in the next month. That's right. And so all the pages are going to be readable from your desktop, tablet, phone, I don't know, maybe even your Microsoft Band. Who knows? Yeah,
3: in the future, I'm sure. They'll just put it on your Microsoft Contacts. You'll just be able to close your eyes and see it inside your head right
2: so that's the birthday gift and uh and uh, i don't know how many people know this but uh the majority of code that gets written for SoundWriter, i write myself and you and i talked about moving into a responsive web design format we Mm -hmm. talked about all the options wordpress uh joomla was another one that was out there sure um, all kinds of stuff. And some of them involve a lot of JavaScript. And when you open up some of these websites that use these things, the, the code is so bloated. And they're tracking you and following you around, recording everything you do and what ads you click on, all that stuff. And we just, I just wanted to have something simple, but I wanted that, re- that responsive web design. And, uh, we pulled off on the test last, uh, you well, know, it was the end of this week uh we were able to pull it off at about five hours of coding time the very first version so
3: so nice and slim and uh, we have already seen some tests here of course i have some insight into that it's looking great and it's really going to be a great future just because you know articles like where to ride or tips and that kind of stuff when you are out riding you know you stop for a lunch break or whatever it'd be nice to be able to pull that kind of stuff up on your phone or save it to your phone and have it uh, a little more easily uh, readable
2: Yeah. And in defense of my advertisers, their ads are still going to be there. Of course. And, uh, I think that if you're, if you're a motorcyclist and you read cycle world, don't tell me you don't look at the ads. You don't, you don't just like block out the ads and you're interested to see. Who's advertising in Psycho World? Of and what course. they're advertising, of course. And I don't think advertising's a bad thing at all. People treat it like it's bad. You know, they buy these third-party apps that block it all out and all that. It's like, well, how are you going to learn about what, what, who's out there, who's offering what services, and particularly in an area like the Pacific Northwest, who are the dealers that we can use to get things done, to get the gear we need, and uh, and and uh, honest to goodness. What really I've seen over sixteen years is the people who started advertising with me sixteen years ago they're in business,
3: now. yeah that's right so it,
2: it, you know they do a good business they they're supported by our readers, and uh I think our advertising is is not just an ad, it's educational,
3: and uh sort of speaking of educational, one of the sort of sp- spin offs from Soundwriter or maybe this led into Soundwriter. How many guidebooks have you authored in the region here? I
2: believe that number is six right now. Six. Two dual sport and four mostly pavement.
3: And uh, I want to ask you, one, I want to ask you what your next book you think is going to be, but also I want you to give uh, listeners a recommendation for maybe what you think is the best ride here in the Pacific Northwest.
2: Oh, that's like asking me what
3: my favorite restaurant is. (laughs) I'm sure you have an opinion on that, actually, so maybe I will (laughs) ask you that in the next one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, or maybe just something that stands out, you know? I mean.
1: Okay, it- so
2: you just asked me two questions, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So the f- the first one is, what's my next book? Yep. Uh, my next book is an extension of the Pack and Light, Pack and Write book, and uh, it will be Tips and Tricks. So anybody who's an AMA member may have noticed that I'm doing a monthly column there. We do the monthly column in Soundwriter of Tips and Tricks. And I have a massive database that I've been compiling of tips and tricks. My goal is to get that database to a thousand tips and tricks and Let me tell you that's not easy
3: no it's not
2: so um we're we're getting it there, and once I get it there, i'm going to decide if I'm just going to roll it as a thousand and one tips and tricks or if I'm going to turn it into actual body text that that flows. Um, I kind of like the idea of having you know one by one by one by one because that way you know the only time people have to read books anymore is when they're in the bathroom. So I want to have a nice bathroom reader for them.
3: Sure, yeah, where you can just kind of take it in uh, sort of bit by bit. Um, and then what is uh, maybe a ride or two to uh, recommend to our listeners here?
2: Well, it depends on where you live. Okay, um, if you live in Washington. Uh I have a ride in the Western Washington book that goes through the Thurston County area. And uh of course I can't, you know, tell you turn by turn what this is. Sure, yeah. But it is a blast. And it's not my ride. It was brought to me by, by uh Steve Schiller. I did a little editing on it at the end. Uh it's a blast. Uh in Oregon we'll be uh using the Kings Valley Highway. Which run, runs between Wren and uh, Dallas, Oregon, and that ride is a blast. Now, I don't want to say that's my favorite ride. I just want to say that's that's one that comes to mind right now. Certainly, there's so many great roads. Lobster Valley Road down in Oregon is a blast. Uh, Idaho, we have an article on Soundwriter. You can look it up for free. It's called. Um, Oh, I don't know. It's like six different rides all around Highway 12 out by Cami.
3: Great, yeah.
2: And so, uh, it, all those little side roads are a blast. Yeah, if you, oh, I know. It's called Lolo and its and his boys or something like that. And so, you know, Lolo Pass is fine, and everybody uh worships it and all this but you know so does the so does the state patrol they worship it too it's hard to go fast over lolo pass without paying a big price right but then there's these other six roads right around highway 12 that there's nobody out on them
3: and oftentimes in those situations you know it's the big tourist destination that pales in comparison to the neighboring sort of local stuff whether it be a national park or in this case maybe a motorcycle uh route or road um the last thing I want to get you out of here on the interview with Tom is, uh, you know, four years to go to the 20th anniversary. Where do you see things going over the next maybe four years? I want
2: to be counting my money.
3: <laughs> <laughs> if only we could go back to pets.com uh, era and you could file that IPO that you yeah. had in your hand, right? Yeah, where's that IPO? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, on that well note-
2: honestly, I'm hoping in five years that we do have a plan for Soundwriter to grow beyond the Pacific Northwest and sure. have regional publications in probably the 10 best motorcycling markets in the United States. I don't mean the most populated places, but the best motorcycling regions. That would be a, a goal that I would set for myself at this point.
3: And I think uh, I think that's a uh, an admirable goal, and I also think it's one that a lot of people would respond to. Sort of, uh, you know, the local knowledge aspect is something that really, especially new riders and riders of old, uh, are always looking for. So I think that that's something that's certainly attainable. Um, on that note, uh, why don't we wind up the interview here. I want to uh, thank you, Tom, for taking the time, of course. And uh, I really do appreciate the insights here, too, and I hope that the listeners got something out of it.
2: Yeah. And I want to thank the listeners for hanging with us this long because we're uh, we're into a long show. So, you know, I have one tip, and we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye, and that tip is don't ride like
3: my mother. And don't ride like my mother. We'll see you in August.
1: The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patients of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.